0: Personal Power, Volume One, Chapter Five, Cosmic Power. In the second section of this book, we announced the two basic postulates upon which are grounded the teachings and instruction contained in the book. These two basic postulates, which we shall here repeat are as follows. One, there exists in you a master self ego, I, or I am I entity to which all of your personal faculties, powers, and activities are subordinate. Number two, this master self, whatever else it may be or may not be, must be regarded as a focalized center of presence and power manifested and expressed by the ultimate presence power in its manifestation and expression in the cosmos. In the foregoing sections, we have directed you to the discovery of the I, the I am I, the ego, or the master self, which is the center of your selfhood, your real self. In the last preceding section, we have directed your attention to power consciousness, i.e. the conscious recognition of the ultimate presence power, the cosmic power of which the I am I or master self is the focalized center. Of expression and manifestation. We now ask you to consider what the reason of man exercised to its limits along the line of logical reasoning inevitably, invariably, and infallibly reports concerning the presence and being of the principle of cosmic power. The essence of this report of human reason exercised to its limits along the lines of logical thought may be stated as follows. There exists and is present an eternal, uncaused, self-existent principle of power from which all manifestations of power directly or indirectly proceed. Let us now consider how and why the human reason is compelled to accept this conclusion, which is inevitably, invariably, and infallibly reported when it extends itself to its limits along the lines of logical thought all human thought directed along philosophical lines of inquiry and reasoning to cognition concerning ultimate principles of being and the ultimate cause of things, you will find, finally arrives at a point at which it is forced to postulate the presence and being of an ultimate principle of presence power underlying and supporting that manifestation which we know as the cosmos, i.e. the universe conceived as proceeding according to law and order. The discovery of this ultimate principle of presence power is the great aim and purpose, intention and end of philosophy. And all schools of philosophy, metaphysics, and theology assume without question the necessary existence of such ultimate principle, though they differ greatly concerning its nature or character. Human reason is forced to this conclusion principally by the fact of its recognition of the following three axioms as necessary and fundamental basis of logical thought. Number one, that the undoubted presence and manifestation of coordination, i.e. the state of common action, movement and condition and mutual adjustment, correlation and interdependence in all of the objects, forms, and activities of the cosmos, point inevitably, invariably, and infallibly to a common source and origin and common essential nature of everything in the cosmos. Two, that from nothing, no thing can proceed. And consequently, that everything is capable of being traced back by steps and stages to an ultimate cause, origin, or principle of being. Number three, that the world of constantly changing things and activities may be accounted for and explained intelligently under no other conception than that of an ultimate principle of presence power, which is the base ground and support of the world of changing things. The constant element, essence or principle, which itself never changes, but which holds together and coordinates all the changing things. Now these axioms are regarded by the best thinkers of the race as self-evident, necessary truths, the contrary of which is unthinkable. Truth so firmly established and universally accepted as axiomatic, as is this truth, cannot be attacked unless the validity of reason is also attacked, therefore, We shall not attempt to argue or to prove the truth of these three axioms of human reason. We are content to rest upon the statement that the best thought of the race accepts them as true axioms or self-evident truths, and that the contrary is unthinkable and repugnant to logical thought. We wish here to call your attention to several subordinate propositions attached to the three axioms above stated which are generally accepted as being axiomatic in nature and which logically follow the acceptance of the three basic axioms. These subordinate propositions are three in number and are as follows. Number one, the ultimate principle of presence power is eternal. That the ultimate principle of presence power is eternal logically follows from A, the recognition of its ultimate, i.e., incapable of possible resolution or analysis, final, basic and fundamental, and B, that from nothing, no thing can proceed. Ultimate principle being ultimate, basic and fundamental in the absolute sense, cannot have had a preceding cause, origin or source. And as from nothing, no things proceed, it cannot be conceived as having sprung from nothingness. Therefore, it must always have existed without beginning, without interruption, without cessation. If there had been a time in which it was not in existence, or ever a time in which it ceased to exist, then it could not be in existence now. If there ever was a time in which there was but nothing, then there would be but nothing now, is a self-evident statement of truth accepted as such by all logical thought of whatever school. Number two, the ultimate principle of presence power is uncaused. That which is ultimate must necessarily be uncaused. That which is eternal must likewise be uncaused. The reasoning leading to this conclusion has been stated in the preceding paragraph and need not be repeated here. There is and never could have been Anything which could have caused or created ultimate principle. And that which is eternal is, by the fact of its eternity, beyond cause or causing process. Number three, the ultimate principle of presence power is self-existent. That which is ultimate, eternal, and uncaused must also necessarily be self-existent, i.e. existing of and by itself and not depending for origin, continuance, and support, upon any other thing. There is nothing else but itself, which can serve to support or sustain ultimate principle, and nothing, not even itself, which could have originally brought it into being, it being conceived as ultimate, eternal, and causeless, and as the whole thing in its essence and state of fundamental being. Thus, you see, we cannot escape from the conclusion that the ultimate principle of presence power is eternal, uncaused and self-existent. Moreover, being the ultimate principle of presence power, it is seen that all things must proceed directly or indirectly from it as from a source or origin. A principle in this sense of the term is an ultimate and essential cause, source or origin from which all derivative effects, events, or things of any and all kinds proceed or flow. As we have said, all philosophical and metaphysical speculative thought has for its end and aim the explanation of all separate and particular activities by some one common ultimate principle. All theology likewise postulates a supreme ultimate being as the common source and origin of all manifested and creative things. Whether ultimate principle be thought of as spirit, matter, or energy, as person, substance, or force, the basic and fundamental conception of it as ultimate principle is found to be essentially the same. Whatever else the various schools of philosophy, metaphysics, and theology hold, that ultimate principle must be and must not be. They will be found in tacit agreement upon the point that power must be an essential attribute of its being, an attribute of which it cannot be divested. This, because unless ultimate principle is power, or else possesses power as an attribute, then it never could have manifested, expressed, or created the cosmos and its its activities." A powerless ultimate principle would be merely a passive, inactive something or somewhat, and there would be nothing to flow or proceed from it. In fact, it would not be a true principle at all. Theology, beyond question, conceives the supreme being to be possessed of infinite power as an essential attribute of which it cannot be divested, and without which we cannot think of it. Without power, the supreme being could not have created the world, nor have brought anything into existence in any way whatsoever. Again, the very essence of religious feeling is that concerning the existence of a power upon which the worshiper may safely depend and upon which he may rest. Take away this conviction and the very spirit of religious feeling would fade into nothingness. God without power would not be God at all, according to the accepted theological conceptions of God. There is no escaping this basic fact of theological thinking. But outside of theology and religion, even among those who do not accept either, we find an equal certainty that power must exist in the something or somewhat, which is held to be the ultimate principle of the cosmos philosophers, metaphysicians, scientists, even the most materialistic thinkers, hold as thoroughly as do the theologians, that ultimate principle must be or else must possess power, whatever else may be asserted of it. This, because without power, the ultimate principle could not perform work. Without cosmic power, there would and could be no cosmos at all. Hence, power is held to be self-evident and a necessity of thought on the subject of ultimate principle or of cosmic activities. Herbert Spencer indicated the spirit of his own philosophy and also pointed out the path over which other thinkers have since traveled when he made his famous statement affirming the existence and the power of that infinite and eternal energy from which all things proceed. John Fiske in his great work entitled Cosmic Theism, presented the following formula as a full and complete basic statement of his theory of the cosmos. There exists a power to which no limit in space or time is conceivable, of which all phenomena are manifestations. Nicholas Murray Butler, president of Columbia University sums up the conclusions of modern philosophical and scientific thought as follows. A strong, and in my view, the dominant tendency in philosophy, powerfully supported by the results of scientific knowing, is that which sees totality as energy, which is will. Authoritative statements similar to those just given might be multiplied almost indefinitely, but the above will serve to illustrate the general conviction on the subject. In whatever direction in the field of human thought we may look. Whatever else we may find, we are certain to find this report of the necessary presence and existence of power at the very center and heart of things. As the common fount, source and origin of all things, in the ultimate principle of being, or the ultimate cosmic principle, call it what we will. Setting aside all the points upon which the varying schools differ concerning the essential nature of the ultimate principle, we find remaining the consummate element of power. This cannot be reasoned away, nor can it be discarded from the problem or proposition of ultimate principle. Be ultimate principle conceived of as spirit, as substance, as energy or force, or as matter, the element and attribute or the essential fact of power must always be ascribed to it. After the conflicting claims have canceled each other out of the calculation or else have been reconciled, we still find power uncanceled, impossible of cancellation, needing no reconciliation. The one undisputed and indisputable factor of this calculation, it is that which remains when all else has been eliminated in the attempt to reach an absolutely essential factor. The one factor, which if omitted or disregarded, destroys the meaning and value of the whole calculation. In view of the above facts, we feel that we are justified in employing the term power in this instruction to indicate that something or somewhat, which we find termed ultimate principle of presence power, ultimate cosmic principle, etc., and from which all manifestations of power directly or indirectly proceed. In following with us this conception of ultimate principle of power, you are not asked, nor are you required to discard your other conceptions of the nature and character of ultimate principle. Hold fast to these if you prefer to do so, but do not intrude them into the instruction. For there are other students equally earnest and equally clear of thought who hold fast to other and possibly contradictory conceptions concerning those other elements. For the purpose of the present instruction, we ask you with them to lay aside those points upon which all of you cannot agree and to confine yourself to these particular points upon which all of you are in common agreement and mutual harmony. Those points are discovered to be represented in the present conception of the element of power as an essential fact, element and factor in the final conception of ultimate principle, which, accordingly, in this instruction, is termed power. All philosophical, metaphysical, theological, and scientific thought concerning the ultimate nature of the fundamental principle of presence and power eventually reaches a point where it is confronted with an ultimate mystery, the mystery of the why and wherefore of the ultimate being or existence itself. This ultimate mystery may be indicated by the question which has come to each and every great thinker who has pursued the quest of knowledge to this point. The question which may be stated in these words, how and why is there being an existence at all? How comes there to be something or somewhat instead of nothing? Philosophy. Metaphysics, theology, and science, each has wrestled with this problem, and each has been compelled to withdraw from it in confessed and implied defeat. Each has come out the door in which it went. The deeper the thought seeking to plumb the depths of this ultimate mystery, the greater is the mystery perceived to be. As a great thinker has said, not only is this ultimate mystery insoluble, but the degree and extent of the mystery itself is almost inconceivable. The average mind does not even begin to comprehend the nature of the problem, nor the unsurmountable obstacles confronting those who dare to approach it in the spirit of rational inquiry. There have been countless theories and hypotheses advanced, it is true. So many, in fact, that it has been said that philosophical, metaphysical, and theological thought along these particular lines cannot be regarded as logical and exact thought for the reason that no two of such thinkers have ever come into exact and perfect agreement concerning these ultimate questions. Some cynical observer has said that the search for the answer to these ultimate questions is like the task of a blind man in a dark room hunting for a black cat which isn't there. Some very careful thinkers indeed hold positively that the black cat isn't there for the reason that not only is the question beyond the limits of the human reason, but that also from the very nature of the case, there can be no answer. It has been pointed out that the human reason, understanding, and even the human imagination being the products of the power of the ultimate principle of being and being finite and limited in their nature cannot be so employed as to solve the secret of their source or to express infinity in the terms of finite thought or imagination. They point out that thought, which is the result of causation, cannot be expected to explain the causeless cause That thought which is temporal cannot be sufficient to explain the eternal. That thought which is produced by and which manifests change cannot solve the riddle of the immutable and changeless. They point out that the universe withholds its ultimate secrets and that though veil after veil will lift, there must be veil upon veil behind. Gautama, the Buddha, warned his followers against striving to measure with words the immeasurable or to engage in the futile task of sinking the string of thought into the phantomless. The ultimate mystery, however, lies still deeper than the inability of the human mind to phantom it, which inability results from the finite nature of the human mind. As a few of the keenest thinkers have pointed out to us, the very attempt to read the riddle arises from an erroneous and fallacious fundamental mistake. This fundamental mistake consists in the illogical attempt to find an explanation, i.e. a cause for that something or somewhat, which by its very nature is and must be without cause, having no because attached to it. The human mind is so accustomed to seek and to find causes in, of, and for things that it falls into the childlike error of trying to find causes for the causeless. The very conception of ultimate principle carries with it the positive, fundamental, and essential implication that such a something or somewhat must necessarily be ultimate, causeless, absolute, and eternal. That which is ultimate cannot have had a cause. That which is absolute cannot have had a cause. Such a something or somewhat must have always existed without a cause. Such is the inevitable, invariable, and infallible report of the reason extended to its full limits of its powers. This, when rightly understood, does not really contradict experience, reason, or logic, though at first it may seem to do so. All that our experience, reason, or logic insist upon is that everything that comes into existence must be the effect of a preceding cause or something Cannot proceed from nothing. Reason, reporting that there must be conceded to be an ultimate principle of being, is not postulating that ultimate being as ever having come into existence. Indeed, it positively reports that such an idea is absurd and unthinkable. Therefore, there is no real demand for a cause for the ultimate principle, inasmuch as it is not in the class of things which have come into existence. Here then, we see that there is no explanation required for being or existence in its state of ultimate principle. As an eminent thinker has said, it is unexplainable simply because there is nothing in it to explain. The same thinker points out to us that even if the ultimate principle is conceived as being or having an omniscient mind, even then it could not explain its own causeless being for there would be nothing to explain Even such an omniscient mind could only assert I am that I am. Again, this great thinker has told us that to ask why is existence is equivalent to asking why is the possible possible? Therefore, in the present instruction, we shall make no attempt to explain the ultimate mystery of being or existence. We shall content ourselves with indicating the necessity of the conception of an ultimate principle of presence power. This we call power and to pointing out the ways in which it manifests and expresses itself in the activities of the cosmos and particularly to its manifestation as personal power in the individual, in you. We may not be able to pierce the veils of nature, but we may at least report what has been learned concerning the appearance of that something or somewhat, which not only conceals itself behind the veil, but which also reveals and discloses his presence there by pressing up against the veil and by causing forms and movements in and of the substance of that veil. As the Sufis say, the veils not only conceal the one, they also serve to reveal and disclose his presence and movements. We ask you to pause here for a moment in order to fix upon your mind and memory a mental picture a symbol by the means of which you may think of the cosmic manifestation of power, the ultimate principle of power. Form a picture of the cosmic manifestation as a great ocean of power in constant motion and activity, expressing on its surface many phases, forms, and aspects of its power, and indicating below its surface many other forms, phases, and aspects of power. But there abiding in its utmost depths, a something or somewhat remaining unmanifest, calm, peaceful, undisturbed, and infinite and eternal presence, being in power. In this great ocean of cosmic manifestation is contained all the power manifested and expressed in nature, even in yourself. You are a focalized center of activity on the surface of that ocean yet with vibrating and whirling filaments extending far down beneath that surface until finally they touch the uncreate depths of power. Verily, it has well been said that the cosmos and all contained therein is bathed in a great ocean of power, in which as the Greek poet Paratus quoted by St. Paul said, we live and move and have our being, the ultimate power of which as Paul himself said, is above all and through all and in you all. From power, all power comes, including personal power. There is no other source or origin for personal power, your personal power, than that of power, the ultimate principle of power. All power flows directly or indirectly from power, the universal source of power, the fount of power, the storehouse of cosmic power, All power is in power, and he who would attain personal power must seek and obtain it from and through power. Let there be no mistake about this. There is no other source of personal power than power. There is nothing else competent to serve as the source of personal power. The heedless and ignorant are satisfied with personal power indirectly supplied to them after flowing through many winding channels. The wise, Seek to make a direct channel leading to power itself. There are shortcuts to personal power made by securing direct connection with power. In the light of the above statements and teaching, reread our second basic postulate, which is the master self, ego, I, or I am I, is a focalized center of being and power manifested and expressed by ultimate power in its manifestations and expressions in the cosmos. Remembering that you are this focalized center, you may begin to see the tremendous significance of that statement.